Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the pews, and we would love for you to take one. We purposely don't put our name, the name of our church on them, so that it can feel like yours, and you don't feel feel like you're stealing something. Um, Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 31. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, he asked him, of all the commandments... Which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You know, our lives are filled with uh, a lot of important things. Some of them are always on our mind. How many of you, at the beginning of the new year, you started looking at your bank account and thinking of how you'd love for it to increase in 2024? Finances are an important thing, right? That's always on our mind. Other things that are important, sometimes we don't think about until they aren't working or happening like they should be. Maybe we take them for granted, and then we realize, oh, that's a really important thing. This uh, last Christmas, the day after Christmas, I got sick, and a couple days after I was feeling better, uh, it was right before New Year's, and we and our family plan all of our holiday kind of breaks around food. Um, you can ask my wife. We have coffee. Justin and I have coffee almost every morning. And as it gets closer to kind of those special days, I start to ask her, so what's the plan? And I like to cook too. And so New Year's Eve, we have a tradition we make sushi. And New Year's Day, I have a tradition of sacrificing a cow of some sort <laughs> on my barbecue. And, of course, there's ice cream and cookies and all that stuff. So I was really excited. Uh, the day before uh, kind of our New Year's feasting was going to kick off, we um, had our favorite ice cream in our, in our house. It's a mint cookie ice cream. And I was excited, and I sat down with a bowl of it, and I took a big scoop and put it in my mouth, and I looked at it, and I went, something's wrong. I can't taste it. And I realized, I, remember, remember in 2020 when everybody got COVID and couldn't taste? I was like, is that still a thing? <laughs> And I ate half of my ice cream, and I, and I literally said, this is the most useless thing I've ever eaten. Because who eats ice cream to get full? No, you eat it because it tastes good. You don't, need to, you don't need to be hungry to eat ice cream. And I threw the rest of it in the garbage. There is no point in eating tasteless ice cream. So needless to say, I couldn't taste the sushi the next night. I grilled up some beautiful steaks that may have tasted terrible or may have been the best ever I've ever made. I had no idea. Uh, some of you can relate, you've had this. So this is the reality, right? Like there's some things that we're always thinking about, these are really important. There's others when we're without them, we go, oh man, eating food without being able to taste it is terrible. It's really important to be able to taste food. Some things in our lives change 
um, or maybe the order of importance changes. So today we're asking the question, what's the most important? What are the most important things in our lives? There have been several things that happened in 2023 that caused me to consider this question just personally. Um, A week or so ago, I was at a friend's birthday party who turned 50, and his wife had us all circle up and describe our friend. What words do you think of when you think of Ryan? And so we sat around for, I don't know, an hour sharing about who he was and why we loved him and why he was important in our lives. And it made me think, wow, these are pretty important things for him to hear now. Because we often share those things, what, when people are dead, which I also was a part of last year when my father passed away. And we do that at funerals. We reflect on the life of of a person. What was it that they left behind? And I'll tell you, I've never been to a funeral where they said, oh, they left a really nice car in their garage. Isn't that really nice of them? No, it's all about their character and their conduct and the relationships that they built. What are the most important things? During the holidays that we celebrate, what do we want our family, our children, our loved ones to experience and to remember? Some of you already forgot what Christmas present you got, right? But you probably didn't forget the feeling of gathering with your friends and your family. What is the most important thing? In the passage we just read, a similar question was asked in the context of religious faith. The question that was asked is, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus answered, what? The most important one, he said, is this. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. Jesus was quoting here uh, words that God had actually spoken hundreds of years earlier to the people of Israel to God's chosen people. He was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He was quoting Leviticus 19, to love your neighbor as yourself. In Luke's recording of this same interaction, the one asking the question follows it up with another question. Maybe, Maybe you have a kid that's like this, or you're that person. Okay, though, who is my neighbor? If I'm to love somebody... Why would you ask that question? You want an out, right? (laughs) This person was probably already thinking of people that they didn't love at all and didn't want to love. Okay, if that's almost as important as loving God, give me some parameters for that, will you? Jesus' response to this question is to tell a story. Luke chapter 10. Do you remember the story that Jesus told in response to this question? Anybody? Yeah, the Good Samaritan. If you know that story, it's a story of a a man who was beaten and left for dead. A Jewish man. And his priest walks by him and doesn't help him. Another religious leader walks by and doesn't help him. And then a man who's from a different religious belief and a different ethnicity sees him puts him on his horse, treats his wounds, brings him to healing. Jesus says, 
That's, that's your neighbor, the person that you see, that you interact with. Our neighbor is anyone that we come into contact with. It doesn't matter their religion, their ethnicity, or their social status. So I can imagine when Jesus defined neighbor in that way, the person asking the question went, <clears throat> shoot. Everybody I see, everybody I come into contact with, and then back it up. I'm supposed to love them like I love God? These are not easy commandments. But we often in church nod and smile. Okay, yeah, I love God, love people. We say that in our church. So at Sunset Community Church, we take these commands, these most important things, and we sum them up by saying that our mission is to love God, to love people, and to love our city. These are the most important things. These are the, the foundation that we seek to build everything we do on as a church, every event we participate in, every program or Bible study, every gathering, every community group that meets together in people's homes. These are the foundation that we seek to build everything we do on as a church. So to start off 2024, I wanted to remind us of these things, but make sure that we understand these, this isn't like uh, just something we kind of came up with and brainstormed. This is intimately tied to what Jesus said. These are the most important things. And so briefly, I just want to walk through these as we start 2024 together. First of all, the idea of loving God. The, the problem with love in general, that, that word, is that the English language is really, really inadequate at being able to convey what love really means. We say we love our mama and we love uh, Red Robin's bottomless fries. And we mean both of those things, don't we? But obviously we mean them differently, I hope. We say we love the Seahawks. We hope they win today, maybe sneak into the playoffs. And we love our newborn child. Again, different types of love. But the English language is inadequate to separate those, to make those distinctions. And so love becomes generic, subjective, based on how we feel in the moment. It's a catch-all for kind of good feelings. When the Bible says love, there's actually behind our English translation, there's different words. Hebrew has three different words to separate the different types of love. Greek has four different words to separate the types of love. But since English only has one, whenever Hebrew uses any of those three or Greek uses any of those three, in your English Bible, it just says love. Sometimes compassion, mercy, whatever, but most often it's love. So when we read, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, we bring our kind of subjective idea of what that looks like. The word that's used here behind this English word is the word ahav in Hebrew, ahav. It's the same word that's used two chapters before Deuteronomy chapter 6 in Deuteronomy 4.37. When God is looking at his people and he expresses his love for them. So we love God because why? He first loved us. And so this ahav, it, well, let me, let me put it this way. Have you ever heard someone say, I love you, but I don't like you? When God expresses his love for his people, he doesn't make that distinction. I love you, 
and I like you. It's hard for us sometimes, isn't it? To understand that God doesn't just love us as like a tolerating, you're an annoying kid kind of thing. But that when he looks at us, he looks at us with, with the affection of a father. He doesn't, he desires that we would understand that love first and that we might also have that same affection for him. And so this is a complete love. It's a love with our emotions, our will, and our actions, heart, soul, mind, strength. And real love is like this. Healthy relationships encompass all of this in such a way that you don't have to be confused if it's love or not. Sometimes love's confusing, right? When a parent says, I love you, and then abuses you. When a spouse says, I love you, but says hurtful words to you. You go, is that really what love is to look like? The Bible shows us, no, it's not. That this type of love is words, yes. It's feelings, yes. But it's also actions. So God loves us in this way. And so a healthy relationship with him means that we love him in the same way. We sing the songs of love and we live a life of love. So, a healthy relationship with him means that we love him in the same way. And actually, one of the ways that we best demonstrate our love for God is by loving each other. I remember when I was a youth pastor um, and in college ministry, before we even had kids. I would be discipling and pouring into and mentoring uh, a lot of young people, high schoolers, middle schoolers, young college. And it was interesting. I would often have par- their parents come to me and thank me. Thank you. Thank you for being there. Thank you for pouring into them. Thank you for investing your time. And I would always be like, oh, okay, that's, yeah, I pre- appreciate that. It, uh, you know, I love to do it. And then I remember when I had kids, and when people began to treat them in the same way, I went, oh, I get it. When somebody is loving my kid, they're loving me. Like, I feel that deeply, that care and that compassion. And so when Jesus connects loving people with loving God, we're meant to view it in that way. One of the primary ways that we show love to God is the way that we love each other. So love people. Now, the original command from Leviticus says to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you see any potential problem with that? Have you ever really thought about that? Some of us don't love or like ourselves. So how on earth could I love my neighbor well if I don't even love myself? So Jesus understands this. He understands that we're inadequate to fulfill these commands on our own, that we don't have the power or the influence or the, we're just not good enough example. We're too sinful to love people well. And so in John chapter 13, Jesus says this, a new command I give you. What is it? What's the command? 
Give 10% of your tithe to the church. No, no, that's not not it. A new command I give you, as I have loved you, love one another. Love one another as I have loved you, so you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. What was new about this command? Sounds pretty similar to the other one, right? Instead of the power or the example of love originating from me, it is Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. That still applies, but Jesus has shifted the focus. Love your neighbor as I love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as I love you. So now there's no excuse if you don't like yourself or love yourself. Because I do, says Jesus. I want you to love in this way. So this new command changes the focus and gives us a better model. Again, one of the challenges with this word is not only do we have, not have adequate words for love in our culture, we also don't have very good examples. A lot of what we call love in America is just greed and lust. It's about my feelings and what I want. That's greed, right? It's about what makes me feel fulfilled, me feel good. And so we need an example of love, and that example is Jesus. To love our neighbor like Jesus. And how would he do that ultimately? With everything he had. He would sacrifice everything, give it all up on the cross. To love each of us. Love our neighbor like Jesus. Uh, I mentioned earlier that according to Jesus, our neighbor is anyone we come into contact with. But to encompass it this way, we say that we love our city. Love our city. Teddy Roosevelt famously said, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. According to Jesus, our neighbor is anyone we come into contact with. To encompass this, we say, Love our city. We, we essentially draw out that idea of loving our neighbor to encompass the region that we live. And when we say love our city, we don't mean like the parks and coffee shops and storefronts, but the people that we meet. And so as a church, this is what we do. We look at our city. We look at our neighborhood. We go, what are the needs of the city? Maybe there's not somebody laying on the roadside beaten like the Samaritan. Sometimes there is, actually, to be honest, in this neighborhood. But maybe that's not a regular thing, but what we see is we see kids wandering around. No place to go, and so we have an after-school program to love our city. Uh, A few years ago, there was a need for food during COVID when nobody was working, and so what did we do to love our city? We provided food for three months. These are the things that we want to be about, to love the people of our city well. In... uh, In the course of human history, there has been pandemics and pandemics and pandemics. In the ancient world, they would often wipe out a large part of the civilization. In pagan kind of Roman times, when a pandemic would sweep through the Roman Empire, um, the the pagan rulers, often the emperors, would um, sacrifice to the gods to try and end the pandemic. They would ostracize those that were sick, saying that it must be a curse of the gods, so stay away from them. 
And obviously it would take years for that pandemic to run its course. There was one pagan emperor named Julian who, through a pandemic that was happening in the, the Roman world, was looking out and he was seeing a particular group of people in, in the Roman Empire behaving differently than all the others. They were helping those that were sick at risk of their own lives. They were taking care of them and serving them, meeting their needs, where all so many other pagans were withdrawing out of superstition and fear. It's recorded that the Emperor Julian mentioned these people, and he said, these people support not only their poor, but ours as well. These people were Christians. And for the Christians in that time, their faith was causing them to act different in the face of an uncontrollable tragedy. Their actions were rooted in their beliefs. To love God, love people, and love the city. When Teddy Roosevelt said, no one cares how much you love until they know how much you care, I can imagine he probably had in mind the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The opening verses say this, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. No one knows, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I can imagine as people were processing this new command to love like Jesus, they were thinking, okay, okay, love like Jesus. He's, he's healing people. He's feeding people. He's loving the outcast. Got it. And then Jesus' last words as he hung there on the cross were, forgive them. Can we love in that way? Can we lead with that kind of humility to love like Jesus? Jesus. Remember that Hebrew word, ahav. I love you and I like you. That's God's posture toward us. And that's to be our posture toward each other. Jesus would eventually even say toward our enemies. This is the kind of, this really isn't the kind of love that we're used to seeing in American culture. But it's exactly the kind of love that Jesus had in mind when he said, these are the most important things. So love may at times feel subjective, may feel hard to define, but it's not abstract. Jesus' love had powerful actions that accompanied it. When he said, I love you, he then backed it up. And real love, Jesus' love, is what we're to be marked by as a church. So what's the most important thing? It's love. It's love and what follows it. Love is the foundation that we're built on. And so as we struggle with loving ourselves, I want you to know this morning that God likes and loves you. When you begin to understand that fully, you will find a peace that you never knew. And as we struggle with loving those around us, please know that Jesus 
shows us the way to do it. Jesus gives us the vision for how we are to love, to engage with those around us. When we understand his love for us, then we will see how to love others the same way. So the most important steps we want to take in 2024, don't start with being a better version of ourselves. They start with following Jesus. They don't start with trying harder. They start with receiving the love of God. And so church family, I hope that we can continue to do these things, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love like Jesus loved, and to understand wherever we go, we have that opportunity. Let's not be the priest or the Levite that passed the one in need. Let's look at every opportunity as one that God has given to us. So there are um, there's some things happening this year, some that I know about and some that I don't. One is 2024 is an Olympic year. I love the Olympics. I kind of nerd out on the Olympics. Uh, track and field, like all these random sports events that I never watch, once every four years, the Olympics. I know that's happening this summer in Paris. I'm not going, but I'll be watching it on TV. So there's some joys, right? There's some things we're looking forward to in 2024. Some things we know about. There's some things we don't, though. Again, 2020 reminded us of that very clearly. We know that this year, 2024, is also an election year. I can imagine even just saying that in this room makes your spine stiffen a little bit. Why is that? Because we've seen the division, the hatred, the polarization that our elections have brought in unbelievable ways in the last eight plus years. So there's some things that we know about. There's some things that we don't. There's some things that we are gritting our teeth toward and some that we're excited about. Regardless, while we don't know everything, we know the one that does. And so what I want to do as we close out our time, we'll be having baptisms in just a moment, so that'll be the close close. But I want us to spend a few minutes in prayer for 2024. I want us to do this together. I'm not going to to pray for you. I want us to huddle up and pray uh, for a few things. And these are just some suggestions, but if we were to look at kind of local, national, and global, local, we want to pray for our neighbors. Do you know that we're going to have a couple thousand more of them by the end of the fall? Because there's a massive development that's going to be finished by, predicted by the summer or fall this year. So thousands of people are going to be moving into our neighborhood. And I say our neighborhood, the neighborhood where our building is, but many of you live in different places. So I want you to pray both for our neighbors that are in the Sunset neighborhood, but also for the neighbors where you live. Let's pray for them. I want to pray for our nation. I mentioned already, this is an election year. I want to pray that we as Christians would have the wisdom and the discipline to be loving through the election. Social media is a toxic place. Do not let your Christian witness be damaged by something you post. It's ridiculous. Instead, let's be marked by praying for those that are in our elected officials and for what will come. And then let's zoom out even more. Let's continue to pray for the wars that are happening, the lives that are being lost 
in places like Ukraine, Israel, and Gaza. Can we do this together? Church is not meant to be a, a, a you know, audience stage kind of thing. It's meant to be a participatory event. So let's, as we've gathered this morning, let's huddle up right where you're at, just with a few people, and pray through these things. We'll have the worship team come, come up here in just a moment as well and lead us in a final song. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.